Hello, my name is Pamela Pizurro. And I am Nora De Palma. And we are the linguists. Welcome, welcome. It's good to have all of you. Thank you for, for tuning in again to another show. Uh, last episode, we had Gabriela Magana with us and we talked about immigration interpreting in the court. So if you haven't watched it, please go back and, and feel, free, feel free to watch it when you have some time. Language interpreters play a crucial role in international business, global politics, and domestic systems. Imagine precedents with dif different languages getting together without the use of interpreters or a hospital, not being able to understand what the sick foreign patient in front of them needs. Interpreters work with clients on a daily basis with commerce, trade, courtrooms that rely on us for negotiations and the like. Our job, as a result, is far from simple and far from uniform in its nature. Although interpreters all share the basic skill of translating between two or more languages, how and where they do this differs depending on the situation. Nora? Yes, Pam. And with interpreting takes uh, on various forms depending, like you were saying. Uh, and today our guest is Mario Sulit. Hi, Mario. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, ladies. How are you? Great. Thank you. Good. Mario is a licensed court interpreter based in Dallas, Texas. He came to the profession in a serendipitous uh, way. One random night, he was asked by an investigator he knew if he would translate for him in a I murder investigation. After making it clear that he had no qualifications for the job, he had his first formal interpretation. Upon returning from moonlighting, the idea came. The next day, Mario started researching what would become his new career, and the, and the rest, as we know it, is history. Mario currently works primarily in Dallas and New York City, with occasional jobs in other cities in Texas, Louisiana, New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Welcome, Mario. How are you doing? It's so good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing really well. Thank you. So would you like to introduce yourself a little more and let us know about you? Who are you, Mario? You're a court interpreter. Tell us, where were you born? I am Mario Sulad. I was born in El Salvador, Central America. I came to this country a long time ago. I think I was 13 going on 14 or 14 going on 15, but that really doesn't matter when you're my age. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, things were beginning to roil and boil down there with the Civil War and everything, so we were sent to the States. And, uh, and I've been here ever since. Going back, I was just recently back in El Salvador in February. I go back all the time. And um, I lived in a few cities in the States in the time that I've been here, but now Dallas is my home. So Sulit, your last name is Sulit. Where, where is that? That is a Tagalog name. My father was uh, off the boat Filipino and uh, met my mom in college in California. And my mother being the imperious woman whose name is Nora also. Uh, she said, I'll marry you, but you're coming with me. So uh, 
So he did. And that's why I was born in El Salvador, not here or the Philippines. That's, that's awesome. awesome. So um, for how long have you been doing this, Maria? Interpreting? Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting that you should ask that because you guys, you've been doing it a lifetime. You just didn't know that you were doing it a lifetime. So mm -hmm. I have been, I've been, they've been paying me for almost a decade. But it's interesting because in a city like Dallas or a state like Texas, I should say, not a day goes by that you involuntarily have to speak the other language and go from one to the other. So um, I was lucky that I worked in office settings. I worked in hospitality. So I, that gave me a lot of vocabulary. You know, I'm, I became very well versed in, in kitchen Spanish mm -hmm. and I became very well versed in uh, business Spanish because I had to talk to people that, uh, you know, contractors and that, that was a, you know, completely different uh, lingo and, and that has helped me tremendously now in my career. Right, because in high school, I'm sure you went to school here, no, you... Yes, yes, right. I, I came here in the ninth grade. <laughs> so I'm assuming you had a lot of friends from, from, from a lot of different parts of, of the world that spoke Spanish, different Spanish. Uh, you, you got did. to learn their lingo. I did, I did. And, and what has helped me a lot, you know, but, you know, when you're young, it's more of a, it wasn't, I think that I have learned more of the different uh, countries when as i've been working as an interpreter because you know like when you're in, when you're in new york city you don't get that much here in texas but in new york you get a lot of dominicans and a lot of uh people from ecuador believe it or not in new york city and a lot of people from guatemala and here in texas you get what you get the you know the northern triangle guatemala Salvador, right. and uh, honduras you get a lot of mexico um but deep South America, you know, that, that was new for me at a time. But the ones that really make me be on my toes are the islands, like Cuba, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic. Those are the hard ones for me. That's very interesting that you say that. And we'll touch on that because I, I do want to go back to that. I'm sure Nora and I have some questions about it. Um, so when Nora was reading a, a little bit about your story, you were saying that you came to this in a serendipitous way because someone, a friend of yours who happened to be an investigator invited you to work with him. How did that came about? Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, I think that the way that it came about is that he didn't want to pay the interpreter fee, I think. <laughs> and, if he, and, and if he's listening to me, he was going to complain and said, no, you know, one wasn't available. You know, that was the roots. You know, it's like, I can't get there so busy, which is true. You know, fortunately for us, we yeah. do stay busy and there is a market because there's just so many. Pam, you were saying that in your introduction. I mean, medical, um, legal, uh, hospitality. I mean, you enter conference. There's so many things, you know, our profession is so diverse in that sense of the word. So this is an investigator who's investigating somebody who would die. Whoopsies. I think we no. lost. Oh, there we go. There you are. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so it's kind of nefarious, uh, you know, and, and he has to do an interview and I tell him, I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm capable to talk to these people, but I'm not qualified. And um, he's like, no, that's okay. 
going and doing terrified. And I did it all wrong. I did it in the third person. Oh. You know, uh, you know, like instead of saying, uh, you know how we interpret and you We're don't say he said this and that or she said that and the other. And uh, so I, you know, of course, I came to learn that later. But um, and that's how it started. You know, I started doing research and then I started training and then I took the tests, got my license. And and here I am. Yeah, that's awesome. Go ahead. So, so now you're traveling, right? You're tra you're traveling from. Uh, you live in Dallas, right? Correct. So I live in I live in Dallas, and I've traveled for a long time. I used to go to Louisiana a lot, and I used to go to Houston a lot. And then they started asking me to go to New York, and I didn't want to go because it was going to be hard. Little did I know that once you figure it out, it became wonderful and easy and exhilarating. And exhilarating. It's still not easy because you know it's just. You know, when you're competing, we know it's so dense, you know, and, uh, but I love going and I love the diversity too. I like the diversity of, of uh, all the different Spanish, you know, I mean, I think there's 26 countries that speak Spanish and you, and over there you get them all. You're, you're a, you're a immigration court interpreter there? Is that correct? Exclusively. I think we're having some issues, some technical issues with the connection with Mario. I am not sure if you can hear as well. Mario. I is it, is it my connection? I'm not sure. Yeah. I believe so. I'm watching it here on on Zoom and we're all there. You're back. <laughs> because I'm Yes, I, I, I haven't lost you guys at all. Perfect. I can, we can see you again. But okay. yeah, you were, you were telling us that you were exclusively on immigration or can you repeat that? In New York City. In New York City, I'm exclusively an immigration, uh, uh, an, an immigration interpreter. And uh, now it's interesting because it's so different over there than it is in Houston or it is in Dallas, even though it's the same DOJ Department of Justice, and it's the same EOIR, Executive Office of Immigration Review, and it's the same. When you're over there, they just work differently. Uh, and it's not like, because I've worked in Houston with you, Pam, oh, same, same building, but uh, over there, it just takes a different, uh, a different scope. I think that when you have 60 courtrooms, you know, instead of like I think that the Jefferson, they, yeah, yeah, you know, when you have 60 courtroom seats and they're not all, they're not all Spanish. You know, sometimes you see a lot of people in turbans and it's like, oh, it's Indian day, you know. And, uh, Yum. <laughs> well, and it's really, it's really interesting because they were the most beautiful, colorful turbans. And I'm like, mm -hmm. going, oh my God, those colors, they look like, uh, you know, you see those pictures in, in of movies in India yes. where they have this and everything. And yeah, yeah. it's, I, I, I love it. it and that's one of the things I like, but I think I'm digressing. I'm talking about spices and turbans now. <laughs> Classic. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so wait. Uh, Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry, Nora. Um, immigration interpreted, but you are a licensed court interpreter. Tell us what are what is the uh, what do you all cover in court interpretation? 
Well, I am licensed to work in the uh, state of Texas for, I have a master license. And what the master license gives me is it gives me access to anything that's on the record. So if you're going to do depositions, if you're going to work in felonies, if you're going to do trials, uh, pleas, um, just any hearing before a judge that's going on the record, you have to have a master license. Uh, there's also a basic license, which mm -hmm. is easier to obtain, but they are more restrictive. Like you could not work a capital murder trial with a basic license where you ask with a master, you can. And, um, you know, I work with the criminal county courts and I, you know, I can have anything from a simple, you know, rev you know, probation revocation to a uh, death penalty trial. But, um, you know, having said that, what's interesting is that when we train and when you're tested, they test you with this super high register. And when you go, and when you go, and when you go work, you know, what you need to know is tortillas and tamales, you know, you don't, you don't need to know, you don't need to know the fancy steak, you know, but it's almost like, why don't they train us in uh, So, you know, independently, I have gotten books on, you know, Central American vulgarities or, uh, uh, you know, or South America or, you know, Peruvian slang or whatever, because that's what we really need to know. We don't need to know. I mean, yes, we need to know the, the legalese, but when you're talking to the people, you know, you really have to talk at their register. And that can be difficult. Sometimes. Of course, yes. I um, go ahead, Nora. I have I have something. No, but no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, I remember. I, I'm not. I haven't taken my oral exam yet for the Texas um, court interpreting exam, but I have taken the written test, and I agree. I'm I'm preparing for my oral test, and it is very high reg register. So while I was working uh, in the immigration court. And they would say things like in Spanish, cipote. I was yeah. like, hmm, the interpreter needs a minute to look up a term. And yeah. I'm okay, and I, you have to be super fast. You have to kind of work on the, on the go to not delay anything. And just to know that cipote is how they call kids in El Salvador. So I and you know, and in our profession, you cannot fake it till you make it. No. You know, you can send you can send somebody to jail for life because you yes. make it until you make it, until you make it, you know. So uh no that that happens all the time. And you know, Pam, when you just said it about having to work fast and being on your toes, I mean we're not dictionaries, you know. And I think that the judges sometimes when an interpreter asks for a clarification, they kind of get put off. And it's like, well, we need to get this right. Right. You know, like one, one example, if I may, really quickly, I was working a torture case where the grant was going to be based on torture. And I came in on day two of the trial and there was a woman testifying and the attorney asked her, the attorney said, so what did they say they were going to do to you? And she responded in Spanish, me dijeron que me iban a pelar. Now, that can be so many different things. That's, that can mean they were going to kill me, which is slang in my vernacular. The woman was from Honduras. I'm from El Salvador, so we have a lot of the same things. So that can mean they were going to kill me, or that could mean that they were going to cut all my hair off, 
or that could mean that they were going to skin me. So I said, I interpreted as they were going to kill me, which in the end, it was the end result. Mm -hmm. But we went on break and they showed me some photographs and they said, have you seen the photographs? And I said, no. And I had to correct myself on the record because it was a torture case. And Mm -hmm. what happened was that her husband had been immersed in these sulfur springs in Honduras to soften his skin. And then he had been skinned. So they... They had been skin and he lived like three days in agony and then he finally died and they were going to do the same thing to her. So, you know, I I was allowed to correct myself on the record because I thought that it was really important that, yes, she was going to eventually die, but it was going to be slow and torturous. Yep. You uh, you work with a with a colleague, no? When you have to go for long hours in the courtroom, you know, it's, it sometimes we do. And uh, in county court, yes. In immigration court, no. And uh, so there's team interpreting, which is really good because right. you can just go fifty. No, you can go thirty thirty. You know, it's like okay, you take over, and you're there. And sometimes, but in immigration court, we don't have that luxury. In federal court, you do all the time. Uh, you always have team interpreting, which is really good because you know how fatiguing it is. It's, it's very exhausting. It's, yeah, it's so tiring. I remember when I started researching about getting in into working with our agency. Uh, I, the first thing I read from Najid actually is that um, there's a statement from the United Nations saying that in the Nuremberg judgments or trials, they uh, found out that past the 30 minutes, the level of interpretation goes, decreases severely. So they highly recommend having teams to work with. And yes, I mean, these trials in immigration can last forever, but it's good to know that at least in some other courts, you do have that teamwork. No, and it's necessary because, you know, when I work uh, by myself, which is most of the time, you know, I come home and sometimes I don't even take my shoes off. You know, I, I wake up three hours later going, what happened? You know, Isn't it, and Nora, we have the same, the same issue. I know that you, you don't work in the courtroom, but it's kind of the same deal with the immigration interviews because they can last four hours plus and it's exhausting. No, it is. Absolutely exhausting. And, no, it, and it's a one, it's a one man show there as well. So Yeah, no, it has nothing to do with the trial, you know, because it can be, and, uh, you know, and I've, I've, I've done some, you know, credible fear interviews and uh, sometimes you get, I mean, you know, it, there's so much detail and so much happened and on the way and the disappearance and the this and that, and you're just kind of getting into it too. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, you know, it's like, oh my God, I'm spent. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's exhausting. It is. Right. Yes. Uh, the, the good thing about doing the immigration interviews is that if you get to that point, you know, you can you can ask for for a quick five, 10 minute break to gather yourself. You know, if need be, get a drink of water, you can and then you go back in and um, and continue interpreting. They're they're more understanding. They are. I, I was going to ask if the officers, you know, are nice about it yeah yes they are i mean every officer that i've had has always been very nice about it has never said absolutely no you know we're not gonna have a break we're almost finished 
and then an hour later we're still we're still right. in the interview right 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 we've well, i've always had very very good um, officers me too i i don't have too too many bad things to say so so tell us mario have you ever had any kind of medical interpretation did you have the no, I never them? have. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, it scares me mm -hmm. because I do depositions that are, you know, normally it's a car wreck, which is no big deal. But, you know, there's always injuries. You know, they always hit their neck. They always hit. Well, it's interesting because even then, you know, they, they, don't, they don't have a concept of upper, middle and lower back. Everything is la cintura. <laughs> which, can be any, which can be anything from a hip to a waist to a lower back. Right. And, and then they always, hurt, they, they always hurt their foot, but they're pointing at their thigh or knee, you know, because the foot is anything from your waist to the tip of your toe, and your hand is anything from your shoulder to the tip of your finger. And uh, so I... You know, it's kind of like I, I look at these lawyers, it's like, guys, pay attention because she's pointing at her knee, but she's saying her foot. Clarify. Yeah. But I think that sometimes they may use that as a technique, you know, to maybe later impeach. It's so tricky, right? Working with, uh, that's you something know, that, yeah, I, I, I agree. Her knee, for her knee replacement. <laughs> um. Mario, so, so no, 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 you, you, but your question about medical interpretation, no, it scares me because I think that it is so, you know, when you're dealing with a, when, when you're dealing with a, a criminal case, you know, somebody's freedom, which is horrible to take somebody's freedom away, but when you're dealing with right. some medical, you're dealing with their life. And it's like, you know, instead of saying riñón, you say hígado and they do that wrong <laughs> And they do the wrong organ. It's like, oops. <laughs> no, it's like. <laughs> oh man, that is that's I not funny, but it's hilarious. Really, <laughs> a, a, a really good anecdote about. Um, she also worked with me in the immigration court, and uh, <laughs> she said that she was interpreting for. I I, I think I've told you this this um, anecdote. Nora, but she's working uh, for a hospital as a medical interpreter, and she goes into the into the visit with the patient and the doctor, and she's there present. And so the guy is a Spanish-speaking guy. He is coughing, and he has a little bit of fever. Two years ago, nothing to do with the scenario from uh, COVID. But, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but. Um, so the doctor is trying to go through the symptoms and he asks, well, what are your symptoms? Oh, I have fever. Okay. Do you have phlegm or spewed? And so my, <laughs> my friend, um, she interprets it in Spanish and spewed in Spanish is esputo. And so the, oh my God, you're kidding. How fun. The, yes. And so the guy goes like, yes, I do. <laughs> Plan, but I'm not that. <laughs> but I'm not a male. But the doctor is like, what? Right. <laughs> oh man, I love those. But yeah, it, it's it it usually happens like that. Or I've had well, some cases in the, on the record as well that have been that kind of funny. <laughs> well, you know, I had a case the other day. It wasn't a case; it was a conversation in in El Salvador coffee grounds that have been you know, what remains after the water runs through the coffee grounds? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's chingaste. 
that's the goal. <laughs> and I'm talking, you know, I'm having this conversation. It's like, oh my God, I dropped the chingaste. And it's like, oh my God, I dropped the, oh. yeah. you know, and I'm like going, <laughs> You know, it's like in Peru, you don't say cacho, you know, which uh-huh. is the most innocent thing in the world. Yeah. You know, it's like, and I learned that the hard way, you know, <laughs> and I'm like going, oh, I didn't mean to call anyone that. <laughs> but it is just these regionalisms. And, you know, and we're expected to know that. Yes. And that is what I love about our job, you know, um, that we get to learn a lot about different, different um countries one of the things that we did when I was training because I, I latched onto a bunch of interpreters in Dallas because I self-trained and there was a woman from Spain a woman from Colombia a woman that had uh, lived in Guatemala for many many years and in Argentina me from El Salvador and at lunch we were like the geek table it's like okay so we pick a word and we how do you say it seven different ways that's and, awesome and we and that is an incredible way to learn yes that is absolutely awesome uh, have you ever thought about about writing a book you know people have asked me if i've ever thought about writing a book because i have a pretty checkered life a pretty storied life a pretty fun life and everything like that and uh but i think that it would be difficult i just want it to be interesting I would never want to bore anybody, you know? <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I'm there with you 100%. I don't think you would. I, it's impossible that you bore anybody. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about how you trained yourself. If anybody mm-hmm. that is watching and would like to go on that same route, because Training is expensive. It can get really expensive. Training but you can is, also do it yourself. Training is expensive, and the uh, and the tests are very expensive. Yes. And, uh, you know, you have to go to orientation. You have to pay. Then you have to take the written. You have to pay. In my day, when I took the oral, I didn't have to go to Austin. Now you do. Oh, really? Yeah, you can't take the oral in Houston no, anymore. No, no, no. I, yeah. I, I, I've always known that you have to go to Austin to take the Oh, no, in my day, I took it in Dallas. Yeah. Oh, cool. I so- come. Yeah, then they had some dates where they travel all over the state and they did it. But after I found out, after my moonlighting job, for which I was paid $15 and a burger, I think, uh, <laughs> you know, I started looking and I thought, you know, this could be something that I could do. And the next day I went to the uh, to the big courthouse, the criminal the county criminal courthouse and I had called a friend of mine who works there to see if there was a trial that had an interpreter and she told me that there were several I picked one went to the wrong one but I latched on to the lady from Spain and uh, I saw her do a jury charge and I saw her do I mean I saw her in action I was like wow and it wasn't we clicked immediately I started shadowing them and she mm-hmm. told me, she goes, you need to get this, uh, these uh, materials from a company called Acebo, mm-hmm. A-C-E-B-O. They're out of California. Mm-hmm. And I got CDs. Now it's probably all streamlined. I don't know if people even have CDs anymore. But uh, they have CDs and they have books. And I, um, I, would, I went to the courthouse every day for April, May, June, July, August for about five months. And I would be there for a half a day. Then I would come home and I would work three hours a day, 
with my tape, my CDs and my books. And I would do an hour of consecutive, an hour of simultaneous and an hour of sight. And then I would work at night because my job allowed me to do that. And then I went to El Salvador for a week before I took my test in late August, I think, or early August. And I went to El Salvador like two weeks before the test. I came back the day of the test. I dressed like I was going to work, not going to take a test because I'm a terrible test taker. <laughs> so I dressed like, okay, you're going to work. You're not going to take a test. And I, uh, I did a little shadowing in English to English just to loosen the tongue. And I took my test and I passed it the first time. Thank God. Wow. Because it's like, well, it's so discouraging. You know, you work really hard. And uh, the first part of the test was the side interpretation. And it has two parts. I did in incredibly well from, uh, from English to Spanish. I got like a 95. And then from, Span from Spanish to English, I got like, I passed it by one point. So when people ask me, how did you do on your test? Even though I had super high scores and everything, I really just passed it by one point because you have to pass all three disciplines independently to get the license. And I did really well in consecutive and really well in simultaneous, but the Spanish to English was so difficult because it was a document from a court in Mexico wanting to extradite something. And it was just so flowery. And, you know, before you even got to the person's name, you had a paragraph of titles and the day of the Lord of the this. That, <laughs> You know, and going, can we can we get to the point? You know, can we just say, hey, can you send us this guy? Which is really what they were asking. You yeah, know? yeah, that's but, uh, No, but it was uh, you know, so I trained myself, but it was I was diligent about it, and um, and I was determined. I was diligent. I was determined, and you know, you can take courses and you can do that, but I figured, I I I, I gave it a go on my own the first time, and it worked. And but having said that, we never stop learning. Right. You know, no, I mean, we never do. I mean, you it's always, you know, yeah. it, well, it, and it's only not a continuing it thing. I mean, it's an everyday thing. You always mm -hmm. learn a technique or you always learn a new word or, uh, and I think that we also are our biggest critics. You know, it's like, oh, I could have said Absolutely. it. Why, why did it, you know? <sighs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes, I believe it. Um, we have a question on Facebook, actually, from Hard Times Times, and he or she is asking, do you believe in a specialty uh, in translation, like Islamic, political, and so on? I think he means if you think that um, you should specialize in a certain topic, in a certain niche with, within, I guess he means interpretation, but you can also do that in translation, in a field. I, I have an opinion on that mm -hmm. only because I know people. Mm -hmm. I know people that are petroleum interp. I mean, right. they specialize in that. Now, I was offered a job one time at a conference, and I don't do a lot of conference interpretation, uh, but I was offered a job one time, and then I found out that it was with Boeing. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. I, I, I know that an airplane has wings, you know, and that I like to sit up front, you know, but I know nothing about the technicalities of, uh, you know, so yes, and that exists. And people do do that. I think that, and I think that if you're passionate about something, that's okay, but I don't want to limit. Well, I guess you can say I'm specialized because I just do mainly criminal and immigration. 
Right. Yes, that's right. your specialty. Yeah. That's my Nora's... specialty. Yeah, and I become and, and I and I feel that I've become good at it because I know the the, the terms. Yeah, practice. Yeah, Nora, do you? Do, he has another question. Do you want to uh, ask Mario? Does translation depend on special skills mm -hmm. that are inst installed in the trans instilled in the mm -hmm. translator or just practice? No. First of all, we need to make sure that we understand the difference between translation and interpretation. Translation is written. That's why my friend asked me to translate for him, the investigator. You <laughs> yes. Know, you know, that's why I put it in quotes. It's like I was not going to translate. I was going to interpret. And interpretation is oral spoken. Mm -hmm. uh, I think translation is a lot more exact. And I think that the skill, I think that translation is really difficult because there's so much nuance in the translation. And it's really hard to translate bad into bad. For instance, if you get a phrase that's spoken at a very, that's written at a very low register Spanish, how do you how do you keep that's a difficulty how do you keep it in the target language you know and um i don't like translation too much even though i do it because sometimes that's all i have and you know gotta pay the bills um, <laughs> right but i will be given a document and i will read the document in full and then i will begin my first draft in if you're really good, which I think I'm good, I'm just not confident, uh, then you do your revisions, and then you maybe you give it a little once over a third time, but that's it. No, not me. I, I redo it nine times, and I end up where I started. <laughs> <laughs> that you is know. classic. You know, so I that's me. That you know, so it's like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. You know? <laughs> Um, and it, now that you say that, actually, I remember we were talking about at one point uh, how risky is our career uh, of, an, of being an interpreter, because we have so much stake at it, I guess. Yeah. But think about this I, and tell me, you guys, tell me what you think about this. Translations last for life, right? They are written documents. They are there forever. Um, so your name is kind of in it forever. If you did a good one, you're game. And if you did a bad one, then you're going to be known for that. Um, but you have the time to execute it well, to revise it, to make it as perfect as you think you can. And then you have interpretation, which is like on the spot, say the best you can uh, yeah. right there. And I love Everyone that. forgets about it. That's yes. what I love about yes. it. I, I like the fact that you have to be on your toes and you have mm -hmm. to be, you know, uh, I mean, it's like al toro, you know, you're going into the bull ring, you know, and, and you better do it or else you're going to get gored. Yeah. But let me tell you something that I have found out, especially you guys that work in immigration courts. Um, one thing that I have noticed, and it's a new trend, and you know, there's good, there's good lawyers and there's bad lawyers. And, uh, and we see both. But one of the techniques that some of these lawyers have used when they take something on appeal, it's blame the interpreter. Hmm. And uh, so you always have to be really careful about that, especially where, you know, they go, oh, you know, 
his language is mom, but he knows enough Spanish, recuse yourself, say no, 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 no. If his primary language is mom and he knows enough Spanish, I don't know what enough is and I cannot put my job on the line because I have known people that have lost their jobs and consequently their careers because they, you know, the guy is, you know, quiche or mom or conjobal or whatever it is. And, or, you know, they're from deep South America, they can be Quechua. Uh, and they go, oh, but they speak enough. And then they do the hearing and then they lose the case. It goes on appeal. They, they, they blame the interpreter. It gets remanded. It gets heard again. And, and, you know, and then you end up with, you know, a pie in the face. So that's something that as interpreters, we need to be very careful about. Yes. So, I, so what, do, so, so what, what should an interpreter do when that happens well you know? i i knew what i knew how do you defend I, yourself well i knew of a guy that had lost his job in louisiana and he told me the story and i'm like oh my god you're kidding me this happened to you and fast forward a few months and i was in a court called otero which is in new mexico was just across the border from el paso and the lawyer recognized me from dallas and she asked me who i was with and i said i'm with judge so and so and she's like, oh, me too. I said, oh, my God, we're going to work together. How lovely. She goes, yeah, my guy speaks mom, but he knows enough Spanish. So I didn't say anything. And I said, oh, really? Cool. And then, you know, we get into the court. The hearing's about to begin. And the judge comes in and everybody stands up. And that's the reverence that you have to do. Mm-hmm. And um, he starts, he's about to start the hearing. And I asked him if he was on the record and he told me that he wasn't yet. And he goes, why you need something? I said, yes, I need to. Can you go back please? <laughs> Cause you got, it was getting good and then it froze. So <laughs> hold on. I, I didn't, you, you know, and, uh, why? You know so, you know, so this guy is asking me to put something on the record. Are we frozen or are we okay? Hold on, hold on. This, I think it, it's, it, this, this, this is the internet uh, magic. Okay, there you go. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is today. No, so anyway, so I think I was at the part where I'm going to put something on the record and the judge is like, what are you going to put on the record? And I said, it's come to my attention that, and Nora, this is how you defend yourself. He said, it has come to my attention that the respondent is not a Spanish speaker, that he's a mom speaker. I speak no mom. I cannot do this because I don't feel comfortable. My job is on the line. Of course, the judge turns 14 shades of red. He's furious. And it's like, counsel, is this true? And then the, uh, the attorney says, yes, but he knows enough. And I just said, nah, no, I'm not comfortable with this. I said, and I, and I even said, it's become practice among some attorneys. And I'm not saying that you'll do this, but some attorneys use it to take a case to appeal. It gets remanded. And I said, I just can't do this. So I got sent home with pay. And uh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> and, yeah. And that, uh, and that attorney probably hates me for life, but that's okay. You know, right. I, needed to, I, needed, I needed to keep my job and I needed to keep my integrity. You know, it's your reputation. Well, I mean, it's my reputation. It's my life. You know, it's like, you know, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I 100% agree. Okay. So just, uh, kind of to put it all in a, in a beautiful 
package with a bow with a little for, ribbon with a little yeah <laughs> for all our viewers um let's say mr hard times times here wants to become an interpreter which he seems like he wants to or she wants to what are the steps that if you had to start all over again you would tell him or her to take to get to the point where you are right now and the best advice you can go well i mean i would do it the way i did you know i mean i was 50 years old my my former job which was in hospitality was going south i needed to change you know when you're 50 getting a job is not as easy as when you're 20 and i had to so i just did it the best way that i could what did i do i first you know contacted the jbcc the judicial branch of you know the 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 branch your of the local agency. Right. yeah the agency in austin uh, for texas it would be in austin but your local mm -hmm. i forget they were streamlining to everywhere <laughs> so you you contact your local people that 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 handle court interpreters who license you and they have and they have a list you have to go to orientation you have to take this test you have to take the other test within certain times and you do that and you train diligently diligently and a lot because it's not easy you know just because you're bilingual means nothing i mean i have two bilingual brothers that if you if you put them on the stand or if you put them they would just not they would not be able to do anything even though they are bilingual but what would i tell this person i would say that or you know there's people that offer courses and they prepare you for the tests you can do that i didn't do it it's expensive but if you have the resources why not mm -hmm. yes thank you mario and um Something that I, I love about you is the fact that you, as you have said a couple of times, you just grab the bull by the horns and just ride it. And I think that's what us interpreters need to do, especially in these times when everything seems a little uncertain. If there is a train that is going by your window or door, go and take <laughs> it and jump on it. Because you know, that's, what I, that's what I did with my career when right. I started. You know, when I started, it was like, okay, so what is there to do today? Oh, there's something in juvenile court. Go for it. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're going to stumble and stutter the first few times, but then you start picking it up mm -hmm. and you start learning the different disciplines and the different languages. You know, it's like, oh, there's something in family court. Hate family court. But, you know, you do it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then... And then you feel really confident when you're in this hideous murder trial that is really juicy, you know. <laughs> but not by now you have built some confidence. You know? Yes, that's how that's how I yeah. felt. <laughs> like, wow, yeah. this is interesting. Yeah. Um, so, no, Nara, do you have? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a question. Um, so during this, when this started, this whole coronavirus uh, thing and whatnot, I, how did it affect you? I mean, did you? You're, are you still working? Uh, yeah, did you yeah. stop working for some no. time? Did it take some time? This no, no, are you no, back to normal? I, no, I haven't are, stopped working. Uh, I have a, I work in uh, criminal county courts in Dallas every other week. In the week that I'm not here is when I would go to New York, and sometimes they would pull me from New York and they would send me to Houston or somewhere else, and that's how I met Pam, which was a blessing in disguise because I was really bitter about having to go to Houston <laughs> because I had my New York week already planned, but. Um, no, this virus has affected me tremendously, and I am getting some work, 
but I had pretty steady work and now I'm having to scratch for some work. But you know what? All it's done is pull me off my white horse. It kind of threw me on the ground. I'm having to dust myself a little bit. And, you know, it's like, okay, so you're not as cocky as you were four <laughs> months ago, you know. But, you know, I just know where to go. And I'm not like, oh, you know, you just go after it, like Pam said. You know, you just don't wait. You know, I call the agencies. It's like, okay, I'm available, you know. Right. You know, and it's like you do what you do. You, you do what you can. And, uh Last night, I didn't have any work all week. Tomorrow, I'm doing a live depot in the morning, and I'm doing a Zoom depot in the afternoon. So, you know, I'm keeping busy. Oh, and you have to adapt. Yes. You know, I mean, Zoom, uh, Microsoft Teams, Doxy, Google Meets. You can't be afraid. You're just like, so do you do Zoom? Uh-huh. And then you go to your house, and you furiously figure it out, you know. <laughs> But you can be ready for the next morning. And that's how we do it, you know. What platforms are you using other than Zoom? Uh, Microsoft Teams okay. and uh, Doxy, D-O-X-Y, and Google Meets. But primarily, it's Zooms with Teams a close second. And they're virtually identical. Right. I'm using uh, Zoom and Life Size. I've never heard of that one. Right. I, I like it. It's pretty cool. You get your... Um, it's similar as Zoom, but you actually get a number, your ID number or your phone number and other people that have an account that have, it's like a phone call, you know, you get a phone yeah. call and all of a sudden you get this notification. It's almost like doing FaceTime. Yes, exactly. It's, yeah. it's, it's, um, I really like it. Yeah. So, so no, would you guys that's... recommend one platform over the other? Well, you know, I like Zoom because it's the one that I use the most. And then Microsoft Teams, it's almost identical. But I don't, um, I, I've, I've always been a guest. I've never hosted. And, um, and there are some things with both of them that have in a feature for simultaneous interpretation, but the host controls it. And if the then they're not just end up messing things, you know. Mm -hmm. So when I've done Zoom, it's mostly consecutive. It's not simultaneous. I prefer Zoom. I really do. Yeah, you, you I like it because it's easy. It's simple. Mm -hmm. You can see everybody. Everybody's using it. <laughs> and everybody's using it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Mario, it has been a pleasure. Mario and I, as he has said, we met in Houston um in a, in one of the immigration courtrooms and we just clicked it I, was think, like, I, th I think you i think you were my salvation when i met you on that trip because i was pretty bitter i was you were to, i was supposed to have been going to uh new york and the minute i mean i literally was like almost on my way to the airport and they pulled me and it's like you're going to conroe you're going to downtown and you're going to gessner or whatever it's called which is a new one and i was um i threw i threw a tantrum you know yeah. Yeah, but, I can uh, imagine. But you know, well, it was but you know what? It's like they say in Spanish, no hay mal que por bien no venga. I mean, you know, had I not been there, I wouldn't have met you. Yeah. Right? You made a friend. Yes. And now he and made and another then, friend. And yes. Nice, and now I met Nora, too. Mm -hmm. Where, when you're in Houston, please uh, let us know. You know, I have, either a feeling, for pleasure or work. I have a feeling that I'll be in Houston before I'm in New York because of the way things are op will be opening up. That's great. And, uh, and I like Houston. I like, I like working downtown. I like working at Greens, too. But I don't know what's going on there because all those judges went to uh, 
Dundee Monroe and all that. So I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some, some, uh, there are some changes going on with the building. Some judges from downtown also have moved. So we don't, we don't really, we don't really know yet, but, um, we certainly would love to have you. Oh, I'd, and, like to, um, yeah, I'd like to see, you know, visit in person. <laughs> yes. And hard time times, again, uh, as one last question. But I just want to tell you that uh, we are going to be having an episode on translation, especially. Uh -huh. So if you want to, if you're interested in pursuing that that career translation versus interpretation which are kind of different routes you might want to uh, check that out and we will be announcing it very soon as soon as we get all the details that we need but for now I don't know if you have anything else to add Nora um, no I've enjoyed having you you're you're amazing thank you for joining us today taking thank you for uh, the invitation I am I tell you I am so honored that you guys invited me uh, to join you today uh, any any opportunity that I have to encourage someone in the, you know, because there's a lot of work. Yeah. Oh, and not only this, it's a lot of work that we can do for a long time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite colleagues is 85 years old and he's amazing. I mean, he's really? like, oh, he's strong. He doesn't shuffle his feet or anything like that. I mean, he's like amazing. So, uh, I, you know, I don't see any retirement anywhere in my in my near future. So. <laughs> I don't think so. You're you're a bright mind, as they can so be. This is a, so this is a good deal. This is a good deal. <laughs> so um, thank you so much, Mario. And just one last thing. If you have a business or a class that you would like to advertise or promote with us, send us an email to okay. thelinguistsradio at gmail.com. Absolutely. And, and also, I'll also be tuning into your episodes in future because I'd love to see you. it. And write that book because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Write that book. you're a delight. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, guys, for having me. I wish you a wonderful rest of the week. Thank you so much, Mario. It was great having you. Uh, Pam, would you like to tell our viewers who our next guest is uh, on the, our next episode which would be airing on Thursday at 8 o'clock. The 28th, we have Darinka Manchino, who is okay. a conference, in, conference interpreter. Um, and she's a big deal. It's kind of like Maria Sulit here. So tune in for deal. that she's episode. A, she, she's a much bigger deal. <laughs> I, know, I know of her. She also does, uh, she's very much in demand for continuing education classes. Yes. And she's based in Mexico, if I'm not mistaken. Mexico City, yeah. yes. Yeah. And she is very well known and respected. Very, oh, yes. Very well known. So for all the listeners that you don't want to miss her, she's fantastic. She is, yes. All right, my peeps, take care. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night, Good night guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.